Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome to today's episode where we are exploring the essence of horsemanship, addressing some of the most fascinating aspects of our relationship with these animals. From navigating the maze of emotions to unraveling the complexities of bodywork and forging profound bonds, we're all about to embark on a journey of personal stories and our sometimes out-of-the-box perspective. So please enjoy, and if you enjoy it, please share it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're super excited to be back. Um, If you missed last week's episode, it was Boots and Holes. You have to kind of slow down to say it. Um, (laughs) It was um, a conversation around our adventures at Elements of Connection. It was Amber's little mishap that if you want to know about it, you have to listen to the episode Um, and a bunch of other super fun things. So go check it out. Today, we just actually got done recording a guest podcast with Catherine Lowry, which is not out for you folks yet, Um, but if you are dying to know what we talked about, you can join our membership. Otherwise, um, it'll be out somewhere sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime when we don't have time to record a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But what was really cool about it is it was one of those conversations where we were like both super inspired and we just had all these little like things to say. And um, I was scribbling like furiously on my little lap whiteboard that I use for my sessions. And I was just like, oh my God, I have so many things. And so we're recording a podcast now about all the things that we were talking about. And the basis of our conversation that we kind of had with Catherine was around um it was around the body and the way that we feel about our bodies and um sometimes weaponizing the movements that we are or are not able to do and things like that and something that really came up for us was um well it didn't come up in the conversation we ran out of time which is why we're talking with you now um (laughs) is confusion so contact confused with connection and then connection confused with security which is like such a big topic but it's so interesting to me when I talk to clients about connection and the way that they want to feel in the connection there's usually like two parts in it right so like the the part that you were saying Amber like connection confused with contact where people will send me an email and they'll be like, why is my horse so fussy in the connection? And I think it's because we have called it the connection, especially in the dressage world. It's like, oh, the connection, the connection, which has created like this barrier, this divide, making people think that that like the connection is just the physical connection from like your hands to their mouth. Um, And I'll have people be like, why is he so fussy in the connection or whatever? And then, um, and then there's this other aspect where I will have questions like, 
I really want to feel safe and secure in the connection with my horse. How do I achieve that? Or um, questions around connection that leads me to believe that there's not safety and trust. And ultimately, like we as horse people want to put our horses first, but we have to have that conversation of if we don't put ourselves first and we don't experience the connection that we want to facilitate with our horses, how are we to even ask that of them? Yeah. And I feel like, how do you even identify what that is? If you don't know what that is on an individual like basis, what are you looking for? Like, what are you even uh, trying to achieve for? I think people say a lot of things that they think they want, but you start to ask a little deeper, like, why do you think you want or need that? And you, uh, <laughs> lots of things are revealed around that and that level of empathy and the discipline to say, okay, if I'm going to ask my horse to be in a space where it wants to receive or to access these parts of its body or to, you know, become vulnerable and hand its physical body over to me to let me manipulate it. Um, how does that actually feel on the other side and the receiving end of that? And what level of awareness and empathy can you have when you're asking for that is limited to the amount of times you've actually been put in those, in those positions and in that experience. Um, and it kind of goes to like you were talking, I think you were talking last week about <laughs> where I was like, help my brain understand the concept of, I feel like I'm going to mess this up, but um, I'm going to say it anyways, <laughs> of having people imagine what it would be like to be ridden. Wait, what did you know? What oh, I know what you're saying. So okay, okay. yes, because I was talking with someone who has a lot of fear around her own body because her body is is broken in a bunch of different places and it's created fear and it's created her riding from this place of like survival and disconnect even though she wants so so badly mentally to to cultivate this like connection physically and emotionally with her horse and i i like told her you need to imagine riding your horse as if you were riding your own body. So if you were riding your own body, like what would that look like knowing what's going on in your body? So you've had two spine surgeries, you have all this fear about not being able to do certain movements, you have a knowledge of where your pain is, and you have a lot of understanding for yourself because you know the certain movements that cause you pain you know the certain movements that scare you so naturally if you were riding yourself which sounds so weird but like if you were you would avoid the left hand turn that makes you fall on your shoulder or whatever so if you have that understanding and know what you would do for yourself if you were riding you um you can have that same empathy for your horse where when he starts like not he, when he starts refusing to go to the right or swapping over to the right lead canner, you can be like, wait a second, he knows his body better than I ever could. So I need to take a step back here and be like, is this a hole in our communication or is he protecting something? Like I need to listen here rather than getting frustrated and saying like, we're losing the connection or whatever. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it's like the same thing. It's like that empathy of go get a massage. Have you ever laid on a chiropractor's table? Like an, but like a manual chiropractor, like, and they say, relax as they have their hands on your neck and you're like, 
okay. Like I, I had a client <laughs> that I was trading a lease for who was a chiropractor. Um, and so me and the kids could go as much as we wanted, but we were going once a week. I trusted her, obviously I let my kids get on the table. Um, and I will say that like, we didn't have, aller- the kids didn't have allergies the whole you know time. Um, no one was sick for the full like two years that we were, you know, seeing her, she moved away to Tennessee. Um, <laughs> but it was like, it did make a difference, but it didn't matter if I was going once a week, whenever she would go to adjust, she had to like trick me almost. Right. And I have a logical brain that knows I've actually asked for this. I have chose to lay on this table and receive this. And still she got to know me well enough. To, she couldn't say, okay, on the exhale, because she knew at the end, I would uh, embrace because mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. So she would just talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And then it would happen. <laughs> she would wait for me to exhale and then make the adjustment. But like, we can't go to our horses and be like, you're just going to have to relax and receive this when you can't even really do it yourself. And so at any level, like body work or any like thing physical with your body, just thinking about having someone hold your hand and manipulate you, which is sort of what we did at some level at the elements of connection clinic, where you start to realize, holy crap, like this is actually much harder to receive and feel into this stuff without being guarded around that and how our horses must feel and not that we can't do the things, but can you slow down and go, wait a minute, like you said, is this because you can't, or is this something that we're just like having a miscommunication and I need to like clear this up for you. People just go straight to, let me hold them and push them harder. And then they get mad and they go and they go. And I know that that's what happens. Cause that's what I used to do all the time. <laughs> like all the time. I know. Me too. And then it's like, okay, so that's actually great that you just said that because I used to do that too. And then that's where like now the guilt comes up. And I really truly believe just through my own experiences and also seeing it time and time again with my clients and their horses is that fear and forgiveness 100% go hand in hand. Like if you are fearful about something there is something that needs to be forgiven. And I'm not talking about forgiveness, like, oh, I'm sorry. Or I I guess I should say forgiveness in a sense of like acknowledgement and sometimes also needing to let it go. So like forgiving your body for not being able to do the things that used to do. Or in a case of one of my clients, like um, I started diving into things with one of her horses and her horse was like, hey, she hasn't forgiven herself for not being there for this horse that passed away and all of that stuff carried into lessons with me so there's some old stuff that needs to be healed that is giving her a feeling of not being able to be safe and vulnerable in the connection and in the contact and she thinks that I'm just stubborn and I don't want to go forward and I think that that is like a perfect example of just like looking at our looking at us at um oh my gosh how do I want to say this because I can see the picture in my mind and I'm like where are the words um be I uh do you have words for me (laughs) I need words well the immediate picture I got was that piece of I'm not going forward because these lessons are being continued and what I go to is when I have horses that won't go forward it's often the person holding 
And then my brain went immediately to the book we're about to start, The Writing with Chakras. And then I immediately went to, where in your body do you hold that, um, not the guilt or whatever emotion is going on? Because usually when horses don't want to go forward, it's a solar plexus thing for the person. And so I wonder what is being stored there that coincides with what you're talking about as the horse is like, hold on, I feel this. This needs to be addressed. And here's your opportunity to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's such an interesting space. And I just feel like, I feel like the concept of like, con of contact and connection needing to be two separate things and connection confused with like needing a sense of security because so many times I see people really wanting that connection and that contact and it's because when they get that like um so hypothetically if you were to get your horse like round and in the flow state or whatever and feeling really connected and whatever that means to you it typically embodies a sense of like safety and fluidity and like that sort of thing and that's ultimately what people are reaching for but we talk about this all the time like if you can't feel safe within yourself if you can't find a way to feel fluid within your own energy if you can't bring that to the table especially with horses because a lot of times I think we forget that like we, we're taking them away from their herd and their sense of safety is number one aside from like food you know it's like food friends safety so like we take them out of an environment we're asking them to do something with us that feels somewhat disconnected because we aren't always in that flow state and then we become their herd and if we're like that herd member through insecurities like we can never expect them to find that that sense of connection so it's kind of a tricky place yeah um and then I feel like that piece of the letting go of um the control and sort of surrendering to that flow is like really unnerving for people because when you do talk about contact it's usually where's the connection in your hands and the feel and and, and it's so closely associated with contact which is so closely associated with I put my horse in this position and in this position if he wants to jump or buck or run I have the ability to catch him really quick you know when it's like that's not connection <laughs> um and connection is this love this ability to get really vulnerable whether it's physically energetically emotionally whatever and how those are all so connected but it's like that connection has nothing to do with contact <laughs> so we need to stop saying that <laughs> that is so true and it's funny because I'm learning that with Biggie right now where I'm trying to cultivate a little bit of like a softening in the contact and like a different conversation in the contact and he's like we're doing nothing with um the contact right now like when you get on me the first time you're gonna be bridalless and I'm like what I feel like I need the connection and he's like no that's not the connection like the connection is knowing energetically that you and I are both in consent and we're having a two-way conversation and it has nothing to do with the physical things that you're putting on my body and I'm like ah fuck like that's that's deep that's lengthy that's very involved but like ultimately that's what it is and that is what we're craving and it is kind of funny how we use these tools to like to to 
speed along that quote connection. And I think almost everyone that we like work with ends up circling back after years of like, I don't want to say turmoil, but it's like, I feel like everyone that we talk to is like, yeah, I use these tools because I want to have a better connection and all this stuff. And then it ultimately leads to like some horse being like, Hey, that's not what connection is all about. Like you're going to go bitless or you're going to do this or do that. And like, people are just on, it's just part of this shift that, that we keep talking about. There's just a shift um, where people really are wanting to listen. They're coming back to their roots. They're realizing the connection, which then brings me to this other piece that I think is kind of cool to talk about um, because I've had two horses recently. Um, well, three, actually, if we count Kip, who Kip told me um, recently that like his body is like just his body. Like he's like, when are you going to figure out that like my body is just a vehicle for my soul, literally. And like when you can stop seeing my body for like how it is and as a means of how you communicate with me we will be able to do the things you want to do. But like, you are so focused on the like isness of my body. And when, like, when you ask me, it's just a body, like I'm not focused on other stuff. And I I've had that with a couple of horses recently where they're like, um, the person will send me a question, like, how does your body feel? And I always like to ask the question exactly the way the owner, um, says it so that they so that I can get the tone of like the human and the uh the horse at the same time and this horse was like it's mine like that's what he said he was like it's mine it's my body like (laughs) it's what I'm using right now um and he didn't really have a lot of like in-depth stuff to say until I switched it into like me just like reading his energy but there's that sense of um of it's okay to be broken that we kind of talked about in Catherine's session and I think it would be cool for you to elaborate on because I got from Kip like you have never accept my body as it is and I know that I see this in like a lot of my client horses where we're always wanting to fix something we're always wanting to be better for for our horses we're always wanting to how can I get them into better relaxation or whatever it may be and by me saying the other day to Kip like it's okay that your body is broken like that's what I said and he's like it's okay that you have to feel that way in order to release my body like he doesn't view himself as broken but I had to be like yep your body's broken I'm not gonna look at it right now and he's like it's okay that you have to feel that way like feel however you need to like it's you know that's the place you need to be in but um I think it'd be cool for you to talk about your piece of like why do you need your horse to be broken? Because I feel like you're going to solve all of my problems with that. (laughs) Well, first of all, I feel like anyone that starts to come into the space of understanding their bodies more, uh, goes through this thing of, oh my gosh, there's so much when prior to maybe knowing about the body, you live in this space of almost just it isness. So there's like this fine line where I had to I had to stop because I was learning up and I don't think it's bad to learn about the body and I think everyone needs to stay and dive into where you're feeling called, you know, where your medicine is, where are the things you really need to understand all the things about and then decide how to balance it out, but I found myself like I 
was just looking around and seeing everything that was wrong with everything. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm all done doing that. If I think that there is something very physically wrong with something that I have lots of people to call, <laughs> but I don't want to know so much that every time I get near a horse, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just a lot that's going on. And my three are probably the soundest they've ever been because, and a couple times, like you've had been, well, when we were texting and stuff where Smarty will go out, he'll play really rough and he comes in like three-legged lame and I'm like, well, okay. And I just put him away. Granted, within two days, I swear, like no anything, you know, I mean, if it would have persisted for on and on, I obviously would have called the vet. I'm not saying I just ignore everything. But like they hurt each other and they're out there and they're playing hard. And sometimes, you know, they're a little sore. And instead of me obsessing like a psychopath, I can think of, yeah, well, this morning when I woke up, my right leg was super stiff for at least the first two hours. I didn't go, oh, my God, the Advil. Oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I need to figure out what's wrong with me and fix it. It was just like, oh, I'm a little sore. I think people go so far so fast when their horses are like that. And we've talked about this before where it almost feels like life or death. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, A, I'm responsible for your well-being and for your body and, you know, and for all these things. And B, how do we fix this one? It's like sometimes you just have to remember the body has the ability to do what it needs to do. And so I see them as, oh, there's a little bit of disruption in the flow of your physical body right now we'll just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. You know, and I have three horses. So maybe I have the luxury of looking at a different horse for the day <laughs> and leaving the other one out in the pasture. To, and I always assess everyone as they come in. And I know when Smarty's not <laughs> great, cause he always comes in first. And if he walks in, I'm like, oh, we're walking in today. And he's like, yep, that's fucking right. We're walking in today. What? I'm like, nothing just okay. Or the other days where he like flies in, you know, Clover can be two-legged lame and be walking on like her both front legs and she'll still run in and flail her big ass body around. So I'm like, I have to like, had to really just let go a lot of that obsession that I had because I was like, as much as we have those moments where we have aches and pains, so do they. But also I'm not going to take that horse that has that and go into the round pen and go, okay, we're going to work this out all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, there is a balance and like going back to what you said, what would I do with myself if I was feeling that way? I would take it easy. You know, I would slow down. I would identify like, is this something bigger or is this just like a bump or a scrape or a bruise? And then speaking to the, the, why do you need your horse to be broken? There, it ties into a lot of different things. Sometimes it ties into our identity of caretaker or of well, if I am, I know I'm going to offend people. There are some people that they have horses who they identify as always hurting themselves. And you will see said horses mm -hmm. wrapped up, freaking sprayed, clipped. Like there's always something happening with these horses. And I have to really look at, is it, is it so, or I can tell you Clover can, that mare can get herself cast in every way ever. She's always got a swollen leg in the morning. Like she got stuck in a feeder when she was a baby. She got cast a few weeks ago that we talked about it was like super traumatic for me. The horse, and I could identify her as something that is accident prone. 
but I don't treat her as such because I don't need her to be here all the time. Because when I look at her, I'm like, oh, you look all messed up. You know, guess you get a couple days off versus, oh my gosh, come in here. What are we doing? What are we looking? Let's wrap you up. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes, and also with those people, sometimes I will ask, what do you do for a living? And a lot of times Mm -hmm. it correlates with I'm a nurse or I'm a caretaker or I'm a body worker or I'm a, and it's so fascinating. Like that piece of, it really goes with back to that identifying what your story is and doing your own work so that, you know, you're not projecting it on to your animals and your people in your life, actually. Cause it's almost like, what is that munch, munch, munchausers (laughs) where I feel like. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to have to Google. Oh. You don't know? It's like a thing where people, hold on, hold on. We'll have to edit this part out. <laughs> but um, I think, and I might edit this out if I'm totally off. Hold on. Munchausers disease. <laughs> it's a thing. Okay, ready? Munchausen by proxy is a mental health disorder, which a caregiver, most often a mother, routinely makes up fake symptoms or causes real or causes real symptoms in a child or adult victim to make them appear that the victim has a true physical or mental health issue. And I swear to you, oh. I think people are running around consciously this far in, like, you know, because there are people with this disorder. But I will say some people have like mild characteristics of this and it gets put onto the horses instead. And I never thought about that, but my mom did bring that up once and I had a bigger barn and there was, I had 80 horses. So I had a whole case study in front of me at all times <laughs> where I watched and witnessed so many things go on. Um, and so being really careful with identifying what is my story and like, mm-hmm. is this my horse's story or is this my story about my horse that is fulfilling some type of need I have to make me worthy or to give me purpose or, you know, anything. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable, but you know, it's like if you're into the work and you want to um, peel back those layers, then that's something that you kind of really need to identify. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and what's so interesting is like you bring up the caregiver role, but something that I think my story has been wrapped around with Kip I'm being very validated right now by this hawk that's like just circling in front of my window. Um, is, and, and I've recognized this in a couple of my clients and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where I was, where my story for him was the kissing spines horse rehab horse. And I'm going to rehab you, whatever I'm going to fix you, whatever words that I used, whatever energy I used, because I'm going to prove to everyone that you are capable and that you are And so I had this energy of like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to prove everybody that you're super worthy, that you're super capable, that you can have these things in your body and you can still go out and do. And now as, as a me and today, I am like, oh my gosh, those were all my stories of like, I needed to prove to myself and, and that I was capable or whatever the case may be. And it's kind of funny because my elements of connection, I am statement was I am capable. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm just now, you know, what's really sad too, is like this horse, he has spent a decade with me, (laughs) me trying to learn this lesson through him. And he's so 
when I was writing down his old story the other day and burning it and writing his new I am statement, I originally wrote down I am resilient and I crossed it out because I was like, no, that feels like his old story. Like, I feel like I told him all the time that he was resilient for all the things that he did for me. And then I'm like, that was kind of my old story too. Like just feeling resilient to like work through the things that I needed to work through and being dedicated to like this journey. And I changed it to, I am love because something that he said to me through another communicator was like, um, we're either moving towards love or away from love. Like that's it. Everything that I do is out of love and it's either moving towards it or away from it. And I think we can look at love as like, you know, connection or whatever we want to call it. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of energy in a lot of horse people relationships that is like, I'm going to prove to people that my horse is talented or this or that. And in reality, it's kind of all about us. So really stripping it back and, and like, that it's okay to be broken and me seeing him at, see, I knew you were going to solve my problem. Um, me seeing him as being broken gave me permission to pause and say, I don't have to prove anything because your body is where it is. And once I was able to accept that, I shouldn't say that because I'm still accepting it. Um, now that I am doing the work to accept it and not be so fixated on that, um, I think it's allowing me to be like, I don't have anything to prove, which ties into the earlier conversations we had in the podcast at the beginning of the year where I was like, my identity is wrapped up into riding. And I feel like if I'm not riding, I'm like not actually a true horse person. And I have so much to prove, which circles back to the connection piece of um, like, what is societally acceptable way to connect with your horse and a lot of us get stuck in that bubble yeah and it's it correlates with even well I always talk about people because I do the mirror sessions and I do you know mirror in the stall was my old podcast and I always try to make it really clear to people like just because you look in the mirror and see a perception of what is in front of you doesn't mean it's the mirror. You know what I mean? It's your perception mm -hmm. of it's your lens. So the horse, when you look at it through your belief systems and your perception and what your needs are or what you believe them to be, and you see a horse in front of you, you're going to come up with the stuff that you need reflected back to you to serve yourself. Not from like a conscious way most of the time, but it's like, that's the mirror part. It doesn't mean they are what you think they are. It just means that is your perception of, you know, what, um, what lens you're looking through at the time and the opportunity to go, Oh, that doesn't really feel that great. I wonder why. And going back to yourself and going back to this idea of standards of the industry and writing. And even Catherine was talking about, well, now I can't even be a trainer the way I thought I should be. And I'm not, you know, and I had the same thing where I'm like, what am I even doing with my life <laughs> where it was like, well, if I'm not going and doing X, Y, Z with the horses, then what am I doing? Who am I? And it goes back to the Carrie Lake clinic that I was in where I stood up in front of the trainers and I took the halter off and there was this whole thing around, well, I'm a horse trainer and I help horses. And she was like, mm, what if you weren't? And I was like, well, what would be the point of me? Like, what am I supposed to be doing in the world then? And she was like, you just are, of course, like Carrie does. 
all pink. And I was like, oh, I just am. She's like, you, you don't need to earn your right to be here. You could just be. And I was like, oh. And my horse is like pink right next to me, like basically shoving his head in the halter. Like, there you go. But it's like, oh, I get to, I get to just exist and do. So I think removing the labels and even every time we have a person on our podcast and we ask them like, okay, you know, what is, we don't say what is your title, but that's the first thing people try to say. I am a, you know, body worker. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because what do you do? And they first want to give you their label and everyone struggles with the label because it's so confining and constricting and uh, like (laughs) claustrophobic where I was like, I'm just giving up a label. I'm Amber. And this is what I do right now, <laughs> you know, is so much more. And there's an acceptance in it where you get you get to change and it gets to progress and it gets to, to evolve with you. You know what I mean? I don't know why I just went on that rant. I don't even know where that came from or where it went, but. Needed to be heard, especially since I'm still moving into that space of like, OK, I'm not. Oh, so it, it just gave me like a little like deja vu. Well, I don't know if it was deja vu, like whatever, where you were like, what am I trying to say here? What am I trying to say? Um, I've been trying to like relabel myself and not just call myself a communicator. And for some reason, just now I got like your label has been what you've been evolving to be this entire time. Like I have added animal communicator, but if you look at my logo, it says guided voice. And under that, it says energy connections by Shaylee. Like it's, that is what it is. Like, why are you trying to say animal communicator all the time? Like it's been there all along, right in front of your face. And I think it's so funny that that happens to me. I feel like that happens with my horses and everything. It's like, I learned everything in hindsight where I'm like, wow, had the answer all along, like with Chico and his parasites and like just other things It's like, wow, it was right in my face this entire time. So yeah, I feel like that, that you always say stuff that like sparks things in me. And I want to talk about like one more thing before we go, because I think it's kind of, um, I think it's an important, maybe controversial topic, but recently I've had a few conversations where People would sit and I actually had a lesson with Lockie where I said this myself. So I'm not saying this from a place of judgment. I'm saying it from a place of like, we're coming, like we're unaware sometimes um, just the amount of choices that we have. But I, I had someone tell me the other day, he leaves me no choice, but to ride him front to back. I don't want to ride him this way, but he leaves me no choice. And it's so interesting that we think that way because it's like we literally have the cognitive ability to make so many different choices. Like our horses choices are only within the parameters that they give them that we give them. And it's they are always taking the path of least resistance. So if your horse's path of least resistance is fighting the hell out of you in the contact or not going forward, like you need to look at that and evaluate that because they're choosing the easiest route. So if that is the easiest route, what the fuck is the alternative? And I, it, it's so interesting to me when people are like, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And it's like, yes, you do. Like where, where do you think that comes from? I feel like they probably at some point in their life weren't given the choice. And so that belief of, I don't have a choice. This is, 
it, first of all, it's probably said to them because I know that I heard it myself growing up. It's like, you're leaving me with no choice. If you won't do this, then here is what will happen. You're leaving me with no choice. And it's like, if that's said to you enough when you're young, then you just spew it back everywhere, you know, where it's like, this is my only option. But the alternative is not knowing. The alternative to having a choice is like, but I don't know what the other option is. And that scares people because there's a level of uncertainty associated with that. And uncertainty is usually associated with um, like danger or, you know, the not knowing. And we will usually pick more often than not. a fam- What is the saying? I think Dr. Joe spends us as it all the time. You'll pick the familiar pain before you, if that is totally not what he says, but the idea of it is you'll pick the familiar and certain trauma or the pain or the discomfort over the uncertainty because it's unknown. And your brain is like, oh, no, we know how this turns out. And that actually feels better than diving into like what doesn't. So I think when you challenge somebody's, that's not the way, that's not the only way, what would, what would it look like if there was an alternative and the moment they go into this void of, I don't know the answer, it's very scary. Right. And that's where you find all the good shit is in the void. So when you start to associate that, I don't know with it's coming, or this is a a new segment that we get to learn something instead of uncertainty means danger. Uncertainty is rejection. Uncertainty is whatever then it can kind of shift your perspective and open up the mind. But I just don't think a lot of people are raised with choices. You know what I mean? We're we're not taught to give horses choices. We're taught that if they don't keep them in this certain thing, then we're not the leader and they're going to be X, Y, Z. And we're also not really given a lot of choices when we're young. It's like, sit down, be quiet, do the schoolwork. If you don't keep up with your classmates, there's something wrong with you. You know, instead of going, wait a minute, what do you want to learn? How do you want to learn it? It's like not ever given to us for the most part, unless you're like homeschooled or get the gift of having some alternative education, but we're not raised that way. You know what I mean? So why would we go forth into the world and just create from that space unless we have to learn it probably a more difficult way? (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. That makes so much sense. The choosing the familiar pain, because if that, so that is the path of least resistance that the horses are are choosing. Then if they're fighting you, it's just, it's not that they're, cause a lot of times people take it personally and they'll be like, my horse always fights me. And this is something that I'm working to like soften for them. And it never happens. And they're choosing that familiar pain versus either. So versus the alternative, which is like more actual pain. Like this is the pain I know in my body that I'm capable of overcoming, or I know this will end or whatever. So that's kind of wild to just think about like the patterns that your horses give you and really taking a step back. Like, well, that's what I'm going to do when we get off this call. (laughs) I'm going to be like, okay, who has patterns? And like, why would they choose those patterns? And if that's familiar to them, where is that coming from? Cause that actually opens like a whole new lens of like, do we, do we have trust? And if we don't, why, where are the holes in that? Or like just getting curious back to getting curious. Like I love that term that you always use. Cause it, it really helps take the resistance out of analyzing stuff like that. Cause you're not like, Oh, I fucked up. I need to be guilty because my horse always like flips his head up when I go to put the bridle on or whatever, but you can be curious about it and be like, huh, I wonder why that is because I I think we do sometimes like 
we will be like, huh, I wonder why my horse like flips my head, flips his head up with the bridle. And then we'll be like, well, maybe it's pain or maybe it's past drama. And then usually it stops there and you go to like either doing a training method that, that quote fixes it or whatever the case may be. But we never go further as like, why is that their path of least resistance emotionally? And why is that like the familiar thing? So the conversation's kind of cool. I, I really wanted to find the actual quote because I feel like I like really aggressively butchered it. It worked for me. I liked it. <laughs> you picked the familiar pain before you pick the unknown pain. Which is, I mean, we do that. We totally do that. Like if I, um, I'm trying to think of a scenario that I do that in, but I know that like, I will put myself in certain positions that I know will like hurt my knee that's chronically sore, but it's like, oh, I've done it before. And I know I'm capable of like landing this way. Like if I was dismounting or something versus like, oh, what if I dismounted off to the right side and I landed on this leg? Like, I'm like, nah, it would just be easier to like, go with what I already know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, I'm just going to stop looking for it. I was like, <laughs> get the idea. Get the, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> since I butchered it so aggressively. <laughs> uh, something about choosing the familiar pain of the past instead of the something, something of the future. I don't know. But it's like such a true true thing that we do then people if you, when you say it to people like that's ridiculous why would I do that and it's like well what do you do then it's like oh yeah I kind of do I kind of do do that <laughs> but I think that's like where the growth and the the like evolution of our souls come from is like we come to this planet to have this human experience in our little skin suit and it's like if you're not challenging those beliefs and you're not getting curious about where it came from or why we feel that way or why these statements come out of our mouth on a regular basis, then we're never going to be able to, going back to like the empathy thing from the beginning, we're never going to be able to look and discover more about our horses and why they might be doing things. If you're not even asking that of yourself, then you're not going to ask those questions for them either. So it's like, there's so many but why is it happening so that go through my head when I watch videos on social media or like wherever. And I'm like, or you go, there's like, I'm, I don't know why, but I am a part of a few like horse groups and you see people always with, oh, I have this problem. And here's all the people with, here's the solution. And it's never one. I wonder why this is happening. It's always like, here's how you fix it. And you're like, well, why did it happen? Like, I don't, why did it happen from the beginning? And so there was an analogy that was given where you call the doctor and you're like, my kitchen smells. And you, you know, and it's like, I have this bag of trash that's been sitting in my kitchen and it's starting to really stink. And they say, here, I'm going to write you this prescription for a air freshener. <laughs> and then eventually the air freshener stops working. You call back, Hey, this was working in the beginning. It's not working anymore. Let me write a prescription for a stronger air freshener. And you're like, thanks. But that's literally what we do instead of when we take the fucking trash out. Like, why is the trash sitting in your, you know? So I feel like the horse world is a lot like that, where it's like my horse's head is up and they don't even understand. And I'm not judging because I lived most of my training career, not, you know, I just put the head down, like, because this does X, Y, Z, you put the head down. I never even thought about it being connected to the, it sounds fucking ridiculous, never being connected to the rest of the body or why the head was going up or like 
what it meant. Like none of that ever crossed my mind. And I trained a lot of freaking horses, like a lot of horses. And I can always get their head down and I can always get their body to come along for the ride. Nothing ever bucked me off. Nothing ever resisted. So in my head, I'm thinking, was it because there was something about the way I was asking that made it feel safe to to go there? Because my horses, I don't think are fucked up. I mean, they were all trained by me. So so I'm like, was it that or was it I was just so blind? And I know for the, definitely for the first half before I got these horses, first half of my career, for sure, probably. But it was like, were they just disassociated from their body to get through it? You know what I mean? And I thought, oh, I did a thing. I made them safe, you know, and the owners are safe. And that was the point of my job. And so good for me. Check next horse. Like, I don't know. But it's, um, but yeah. So it's really that starting to question the why about things. Why is it happening? Go there first instead of how do I fix this versus, but why is it happening? Why do I think that way? Mm -hmm. Why am I saying the statement over and over? What are these patterns that keep popping up and asking the why of the pattern? You know what I mean? That's where all the goods are, honestly, and the discomfort, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they go hand in hand, which is such a pain, but Wow, that was a great podcast. I feel like we should end it right immediately because it's one eleven here, which means it's eleven eleven there, which feels very aligned. <laughs> All righty, righty, everyone. If you are watching or listening to this and something resonated with you, then you should like it and you should share it. We're throwing that out there to the universe that we are trying to grow this podcast now intentionally. And if there's anyone out there that just feels like, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of this and I'd have fun just randomly screen recording bits and pieces of some of these episodes and shooting them on over so that I could use it for content for the social media. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Also, (laughs) if you want more of all the goodness of our book club and our guest podcasts that are freaking rad, then you can click the link below and join up for our join up, sign up, join our membership um at the og price that it is right now until the end of the year and it's gonna go up but you will be grandfathered in at that price if you join before the end of the year so um you should do that and also be look on the lookout next week well this will be saturday so yes next week we're going to be announcing our november offering and it's all around guilt into gratitude and permission to just be so that's what we're going to do in November. So all the things. All right. <laughs> See you guys later.